1: Jamie, before we begin, talking about Roberto Firmino, I just want to show you something from 23rd of June
2: 2015. Ha <laughs> Come on hipsters what's Firmino like. Yeah, it was one of them signings. I mean, it's basically one of those signings I didn't really know, know who he was. And as I said, all hipsters know about him, don't they? Like they all know about Kone and Toram. now. You know, they, they know everything about him. You know what I mean? They're going to win us the league, these midfield players. So for me, you know, felt like uh, one of those players I didn't know too much about him. he come from Hoffenheim. Uh, I think it was more of a... It felt more of a transfer committee signing. That was the, you know, the name of the game at the time. And Brendan Rodgers, I don't think... Quite knew what to do with him or where he was supposed to play, and I was I was a little bit similar. He, he, I looked at him, I thought, he looks a good player, but like we've done so often in the past at Liverpool, when I was a player, you think where's he going to play? I just I, I couldn't quite work out where he was going to fit in. What was what was Brendan
1: like? Because obviously it's a it's a, a year or so on from you leaving, you know, leaving the club, but it felt like it was that summer was him having one last. Power grab. We got him battered at Stoke. The last game of the season. Gerard's gone, mm-hmm. um, and that was he had a big restructure of the back, the backroom staff, and he really dug in by the looks of it for like Ben Benteke. Was that him kind of knowing that his days were numbered at Liverpool? Do you
2: think? Well, I think he would have known that he'd have needed to hit the ground running at the start of the, the following season, and I think the summer before the transfer. People had come in on the back of, I think, Luis Suarez money. Uh, that was that summer, wasn't it? So we're talking about the summer after that hadn't gone well at it. You know, I think that was sort of was that Luis Alberto, Aspas, Ricky Lambert, people like that had come in, and it always just felt as if like after players were Brendan's and after players where the club were putting on Brendan, and I think Firmino was one of them the, the, the following season, and uh, I think he was almost like I don't really want him. I don't really know what to do with him. I'll try and fit him in if I can, and it just showed that the club wasn't aligned from from top to bottom really. Uh, so it was no surprise that it was it was basically all over within a you know a few weeks of that season for uh, for Brendan.
1: You've played with two of the club's most iconic number nines, Robbie, Fernando Torres. Um, what does that number mean to Liverpool? Do you think, and how does Firmino compare to the great who won that year before?
2: He compares with them in completely different ways, I would say. They are your, your typical number nine, what we associate with not just Liverpool, but every every team's number nine. I don't think that the number nine shirt is iconic for Liverpool. It's iconic, I think, in almost every club, and we know what it means. It's your goal scorer, your goal getter. And that's what Robbie Fowler and Fernando Torres were. For me, you now almost changed the mould, really. I mean, talk about false nines, and it almost feels to me like Firmino was almost the original because people describe Messi as that but Messi still scored loads of goals Firmino was never a great goal scorer he was just a huge part of the team and he was was the first time I think we as football fans, certainly Liverpool fans were judging a number nine differently and I know Liverpool supporters are famous for knowing their football and understanding the game and I think that's a fair uh, description but I think we were well aware that this was looking like it was going to be something different, certainly with the two players alongside him in terms of you know Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, and it, uh, you know that system was born basically down to Jurgen Klopp, and he's got a huge influence on uh, you know how his career's unfolded really at Liverpool for Roberto Firmino.
1: The 1718 seasons defined by the emergence of the fellas you mentioned there, the, the front three becomes known as that. Um Champions League games, a huge Porto City Roma. What do you remember from that time, that run up to the Champions League final in Kiev at the time, because Liverpool were just in, you know, free scoring mode?
2: It just felt electric. It, I mean, it felt like you were watching electric football. It was just like 100 mile an hour, fast, furious, crazy. Uh, end-to-end, goals at either end, but it did look like you were watching a team who was so much faster and stronger than everybody they came up against. And, I mean, I'm not spoken about the front three and who did what for who. You know, do, do the speed merchants and goal-getters make Firmino look better? Is it Firmino doing their work, make them look better? It was just... I mean, it's... <laughs> It's probably the most famous front three the club have had. I know people talk about Barnes Beardley, Beard, Barnes, Beardley and Aldridge, sorry. But that, for me, was almost only one season. Ian Rush comes and, you know, it almost gets broken up at stages the following season in 1989. 80, so this was together for sort of so long. And I remember doing something on Monday Night Football, talking about the famous front threes of the Premier League era. And every other one that we put in there, It was only together, really, for two, three years at the most. This felt like it was getting to five years. You know, that's how consistent it was. They were never injured, any of them. And I think it'll go down, not just in in sort of history for Liverpool in terms of attacking threesomes. It was certainly up there with anything we've seen from any other team as well. And is he, for me, you know, I guess the
1: difference maker in in a lot of those? Because... You're right in mentioning that. You know, there's been plenty of teams that have had front threes, but it's, it's wingers. You're talking like a 10 goals out of them. To so have two effectively 20-goal-a-season guys either side of the of the guy leading the line, does that
2: function without Firmino in there? Uh, I mean, I know this is about Firmino, but and I know a lot of people say things like, you know, Firmino was the most important person in that front three. That is not my view. I love Firmino. But the most important people in that front, three of the two, was Mo Saladin and Sadio Mane. I've never changed my view on that, even though I'm much, you know, I love Firmino. Uh, but I think they'll be much tougher to replace or are, you know, into the Sadio's case. And, and to be fair, Firmino's probably been a little bit more of a squad player in the last probably 18 months or so. But, uh, but no, he was a huge part of it. Of course he was, because I felt at times we were not playing just with wingers, we were playing with wide strikers. And there's a, I think there's a big difference because it's very difficult for those players to then get back and help full-backs as we you know traditionally see wide players doing. So Firmino's role in terms of coming back and helping the midfield, which then made it easier for Jordan Henderson to get out wide or Genie Wijnaldum to get out wide, was because Firmino was coming back and almost... Not central midfield, but almost coming back there and making it almost like a, a diamond shape in, in midfield. So the work he did off the ball, but I don't think we should always talk about for me, you know, was just like what he did coming back and putting his foot in and strength, his ability on the ball when you play the ball into how clever he was, his touches, and yeah, you know, he was a fantastic footballer.
1: The Kiev, I mean, obviously, as a fan, it's devastating. The players have talked about their devastation after it. Just in terms of like from the I guess from like the pundits' perspective, was that a sense that Liverpool it was a bit of like I don't know like so does the magic that had got them there and that was going to be it? Was was there a sense in like the circles outside you know on the, on the fringes of the game that this was the beginning of something, or was it seen as a bit of a, a bit of a one off at the time?
2: No, I think it was it was it felt like Liverpool were sort of get really getting there. Yeah. I think when we got to the final, it did feel like we still do lack something. That, And I think it's probably the one criticism we've. And criticism is the wrong word, really. Maybe gripe, was that the same? (laughs) I think we all looked at the midfield that night a little bit. And you looked at what Real Madrid had, and we looked like we were just a team who were just. All we were doing was was chasing the ball and trying to get it off them, really. And could we add something, you know, a little bit different? I don't think it was, you know, anything you'd look at the front three. But I think it just. It definitely felt that we were on the cusp of something special, but we were still going to need something. You know, we get the goalkeeper after that, that was a you know a, a really massive sign in the, in the club's history. The goalkeeper comes in, but it definitely felt that you were watching that Champions League final. Yes, disappointed, but almost were one or two pieces away. Next season,
1: opening group game, Paris Saint-Germain, Liverpool have got those components in. They've got Alisson, they've got Fabinho now in, in the squad. Bobby's injured, comes off the bench and it, they've gone 2 nil up. PSG had got it back to 2-2. Have you got any memories of that game where you're you in, the, in the
2: ground for that one? I'm just trying to think where I was for that one. I think I will have been in, in, in the stadium where I was, where a lot of the Champions League games and those runs at the time, but... Uh, I mean, you're saying that game, and it doesn't spring to mind. I remember it, now you describe it. But I think that just explains the fact that there have been so many. It just feels there's so many games like that at Anfield with fast, furious goals. Last-minute winners, and that's what that was as well for, for me. You know, it was a, it was a it was a huge moment because we I think we'd lost there, hadn't we, in the in the group earlier on the year, the group stage. So it was the other way around.
1: This was this is this is the opening <laughs> group game.
2: Is it?
1: Yeah, we play them. We play them after. This is the first the first. Do we played them game. in
2: two group stages, no.
1: I don't think so. No. We I don't. remember
2: going over there and getting beat.
1: Yeah, we. Um, yeah, that's, Would that. have been the fifth game I then. That's, I think that's that's um, it? But yeah, that anyway it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. It's the one where he comes back in, comes off the bench, it's he like scores the, the goal. Role, then, wasn't
2: yeah, it? and he does yeah.
1: the does the covering the eye yeah, cele- yeah, celebration yeah. and stuff. Um he scores a hat-trick against Arsenal that season as well. I think that's probably one of his most famous ones as the the second goal and he, he kind of dribbles through the Arsenal defense, the, the flying left
2: right and center some moment there. Yeah, I, I do remember that because for one of the few times since I finished, for, for whatever reason, I can't remember, I was in the director's box and did Arsenal score very early. And it was almost like, it was getting to that stage where we thought, I think we're going to win the league. And it was just like, oh, Arsenal scored straight from the, you know, the kid. It was very early in the game. And to come back to the way Liverpool did in that game, it just, that was, that was a game of champions. And that. I think the famous one is where it feels like he dribbles a few people on the edge of the box and puts someone on the backside and then, yeah, puts it in. Yeah, that was a, that was a typical for me in all goal.
1: It was, I mean, on the flip, we've had a number of years of Arsenal players and Liverpool defenders, the situation's yeah, kind yeah, of being yeah, a bit yeah. of a flip yeah. reverse, so there's a nice satisfaction to see Arsenal players scramble around on their hands <laughs> and knees in the box. <laughs> um, around the time, uh, this is where his song starts to appear. What do you think of C si Senor?
2: Oh, I love it. I love it. And I think that in some ways, that the fact he's got such a great song, I think in some ways it's elevated them as a player as well, in a lot of people's eyes, because they just they love singing about, you know, the song. And it was interesting listening to Klopp before the last game, where he was saying, Don't forget these players to sing their song. Cause it's it's not that you just sing of a bobby. It's just—it's the best song out of all the players that you know. We've got all these legends right now, so that's why it may seem to certain supporters or people outside that Liverpool's absolutely adore Bobby Firmino more than anyone. I don't think that's actually the case. I think they just adore the song for Bobby Firmino more than anyone at the club right now. Is it better than Team Carragher's? Oh, it's much better than Team Carragher's. Yeah.
1: Liverpool um, go on to win the Champions League. Um, Can you describe
2: the sort of, I guess, the relief of of Liverpool getting over the line in that one? It was relief because we were big favourites going into the final. And I remember the Barcelona game, and then the next night, I was actually in the Ajax Stadium when Tottenham won there. I, I was working with the Champions League, and I was gutted. I was gutted when that, that last-minute goal went in for Tottenham. I was actually behind the goal. I was going to get to pitch side to interview someone. And I was, oh, I was like, oh, no. I just the thought of an English team in the final, if they beat yeah, But the, the thought that kept going through my mind was, it's Tottenham. Tottenham aren't supposed to win Champions League. It's, they're just not, unfortunately. So, even on the way there, I was very confident just because of that fact, even though Tottenham had a great team and there wasn't a massive difference between the two clubs at the time, really, or the few years before that. But I was confident, but I think that was probably the longest game of football I felt I've ever watched in my life. That's what it felt like because we scored so early and we didn't play well at all. And Tottenham actually dominated with the ball without ever looking like they were going to score. But it was a, a very hard watch that. And my son was there for the first real big thing. He could see Liverpool win. He'd been to the final before, but I don't think there was much expectancy. This one, there was. And uh, it was just brilliant for me, my son to be there, me to be there, and for this team to get over the line. I just, Jürgen needed that, you know, was, everyone loved him. But people from outside were saying, well, what's, you know, where's the evidence? And uh, it was there that night.
1: Well, he had a, like this cup final yeah, case yeah. or whatever at the time. People said he mm-hmm. he, he, couldn't, he literally couldn't do it. Um, 1920 then was that was the overall sense of gain, you know, in the Sky Sports Studio, CBS or whatever that this is going to be, this is Liverpool's year to go
2: and win the Premier League. I wouldn't say I felt that at the start of the season that it was, you know. It was... It was 100% going to happen because it was almost a case of, you know, we got 90, what did we get, 97 or 98 points the year before and didn't win the league. And I I remember that lap of honour and I I could just think what those players were thinking. We were probably thinking a little bit when I played, but we only got 86 points. You know, this is on a completely different level. And you're thinking, I, I mean... I mean, if I'd have been a player there, i just think, oh, how'd you get over that? You'd then go win the Champions League. But the big thing about this team, is and Jürgen Klopp's greatest strength for me, is overcoming adversity. I think that is his mental strength and what he does to lift a group of players. Yes, they won the Champions League, but to lift a group to then go and win the league, win 26 out of the first 27 games on the back of losing a league title on 97 points, I think is testament to what type of manager that, that we've got. But no, I didn't go into that season... Thinking that this is the season as such, but I thought, yeah, we'll be there or thereabouts. But uh, they just completely just blitzed everyone, didn't they? That season.
1: From your time at Liverpool, is there anyone, you know, not maybe a number nine, but who possessed sort of similar skills in terms of the flair and the, the, the whatever
2: the Firmino brought? I, I think it's difficult to compare anyone to Firmino because he's playing a completely different role to anyone before. You can't compare him to a, a Torres or Robbie Fowler, a Ian Rush out-and-out number nine. So then you're thinking about players who played a little bit deeper. You know, uh, Kenny Daglish, Peter Beardsley, Paul Walsh. You know, they're players I can remember wearing that sort of famous number seven shirt. So he's more that type of player, really, who who comes deeper, comes towards the ball rather than running away from the ball. Uh, Probably more Kenny, because I think he's probably tougher than a Beardsley or a Paul Walsh-type figure. He's, You know, he's... You've got a bit of strength where he can hold, you know, big defenders off. And he's not as good as Kenny Daglish, that's obvious, you know, we, we know that. But in terms of that sort of nastiness and aggression and power, deft touches, you know, I think when Kenny played a little bit deeper, his goal return was probably similar to where uh, Bobby, uh, Kenny, I think when he first came, he was out and out centre-forward, then dropped a little bit deeper. So I'd probably say Kenny Daglish and if you're getting compared to anyone who's got similarities to you, I don't think there's any higher uh, acclaim you can uh, get than Kenny Daglish in you know, a lot of people's eyes, the greatest ever player to play for the club. Amazing. Um, we talked about
1: the put the, we mentioned before, winning 26 out of 27. What do you remember at that time? Is it just that everything had clicked? Um, and uh, Joe recalls here that apparently at some point Gary Neville said that he thought he was his favourite player at that point as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, the the league was won then. It was whether we were going to go invincible, unbeaten, What else we could achieve that season. And I always think, I mean, even though we won the league, I think sometimes when you win the league so early, I know we had Covid after it, but everyone knew Liverpool had won the league at a certain stage. You're still celebrating, but you've known you've won it for a while. I was almost disappointed a little bit in that season about the Atletico Madrid game. I was thinking, we should have won the league and the European Cup. We were the best team in Europe by a mile. That season, so that was actually a little bit of tinge of disappointment in that one. Uh, Gary Neville's always been a huge admirer. I think well, of uh, Bobby, but I don't think it's any secret most people are. I don't think you, you could not be. But I've gone back to that. I mean, yeah, they were all as important as each other. I would just give the edge, you know, obviously to to Mo and, and, and Sadio in terms of the roles they do. I think that's the most important one. You know, the one the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but there's no way in the world they could have been the players they were without, uh, without Bobby.
1: He gets to be the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net in the Club World Cup. He scores the goal gets getting through the semis. And that final, I mean, it's about how long a game the Champions League final felt... That one felt like it was about four hours long, and then ultimately, at a, bo- at a moment of Bobby Magic, right at the end, takes what seems like a million years to take it past the guy,
2: find it, slot it. It's a huge moment for him. It is. I remember where I was, where I was when that goal went out. I think we were at Man City's ground, and Kelly Dagleesh was uh, hosting the show. So the game's going on, you know, with the time difference. So I don't know if we were watching it as the the game was going on, or just before the game, but it was like just hanging on for that final whistle, you know, seeing the goal go in. And it was funny that it felt like the whole country was amazed by how obsessed Liverpool wanted to win that tournament. Like, how are they resting players away at Aston Villa in, in in the Carabao Cup? And you're like, are you serious? Are you really... Is this a debate? I mean, Liverpool have never won this trophy. It's the World Club Championship, you know... It's more important than the Carabao Cup, but people in this country couldn't quite see it. And we're criticising Klopp for changing the team. So, yeah, it was a big moment for me, uh, for the club for that, because we missed out on the final in 2005. And that, that was a big disappointment to me. Well, I didn't class that as a friendly, it was a, it was a huge game. And uh, I was just delighted we got that on the CV for the club, but, you know, brilliant, Bobby scored the goal. Did that change your perspective
1: on it, Haven't been there yourself in the past?
2: Maybe a little bit, you know, seeing how much I think we played São Paulo in the final, how much they celebrated at the end, how much it seemed to to me and to them. But it, I, I think i gathered that going there. And for me, because the club had never won it before, it's very difficult to create history at Liverpool because we've been so successful in the past. So to have done that would have been special for us. But as I said, special for this group of players and manager. So finally,
1: after 30 years, Liverpool wins the league. Um, did this feel even more than the Champions League, like it was... I guess, vindication for everything that Liverpool have gone through, everything that Jurgen Klopp have built over the years?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it's been such a long time, it just seems to creep up on you. You know, it just... it's It doesn't feel like 30 years, because you feel as if like every manager's had five or six years, uh, and you're almost starting again when the new manager comes in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I grew up watching, without being a Liverpool supporter, growing up, watching Liverpool win the league, that's just what they did. And you just... You can't believe it it went that long, but you know what we've got to do is make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh you know, there's a lot of strong teams and hopefully we'll get our hands on that trophy sooner rather than later, being close a few times. But it was it was nice to just put it to bed. And it's nice now to say we've only gone two or three years without the league, and Arsenal have gone, whatever theirs it is, fifteen. Man United are on ten. You know, and before you know it, it's just creeping up and closely getting, you know, to you know the numbers we were at.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I've been at the been at the club and been that through that you know in that thirty-year period. What was that? The pressure like was it? Was it? I guess it's not something you think about every day, but it was like number one expectation. It was the one that Liverpool fans wanted at the start of every season. How, how much of that? How much that does that weigh on the football club? Maybe not on the individuals, not game in game out, but. You know, 08-09, so much pressure because it's it's so close to, mm. to, to winning the league title.
2: I, I never felt it, to be honest. I wanted to win it, but I never, I never felt like we, we ever went into any season as the favourites for the league. We were always sort of seen as third or fourth, they might have an outside chance. I think that's, if I'm being totally honest, that's how we were viewed, I think, by most clubs and most fans up and down the country. I think even Liverpool fans didn't, over those 30 years, didn't go into many seasons thinking this is the year we're going to win the league. Certainly, in the teams that I played in. So we had a couple of shouts under Gerard Houllier. Was one uh, 02, Rafa 09. But even in both those seasons, certainly under Rafa, we came late. We, it wasn't like we were in. It wasn't like a, a Brendan Rodgers where you feel like we had it in our hand and lost it, uh, or a, a Jurgen team where they were in front and got caught up by City. We were sort of chasing. United we were a little bit behind and caught and towards the end and got really close without it being like a real, you know, we should have won it. So, yeah, I was desperate to win it, but I, I wouldn't say I felt pressured, it affected me. You know, I just wanted to get it done for the club sooner rather than later, you know, whenever that may be. Hopefully it was to be me, it wasn't to be, but Jürgen and the boys did the job.
1: Yeah, that's just interesting to know. Um, can Bobby say that he was the number nine in Liverpool's greatest ever side?
2: No. No, I don't think it's Liverpool's greatest ever side because it hasn't won enough for how good the team is. I think you could make an argument for what you've just said, but how could you then argue with the early 80s teams of four league, well, four Mill cups in a row, three leagues in a row, a couple of European cups in there. And, I, and a team who I always think gets completely forgotten or not a team in the era. When I think of what Liverpool did in, sort of, 76, 77, 78, it's pretty unbelievable when you think of what they won. Was not Everton winning in that time? No, <laughs> Everton, Everton no, well, if you want to speak about Everton at that time, they'll bring up Clive Thomas, mm-hmm. so let's just leave that. The 77, uh, FA Cup, 75, main road. Of course. The, um, so, yeah. So, so that team, for me, I, I, I don't know how, how, you, how you could make the argument, now, don't get me wrong, when you look at the numbers in terms of winning 26 out of the first 27, the numbers they got in terms of points you've got to get to in the league, of course that. Yeah, you can look at that and go, it was that team, was that dominant. But I've always said this about the Jürgen club team, and it's not, it, should win, it should have won more, that team. It's getting broken up a little bit now, so it's going to be a different team. But when I do look back, I look back and think, yeah, it won everything. But I just still think it's like losing the league twice on the last day. And it's not a criticism of the team, just unlucky. A couple of Champions League finals, that Atletico Madrid like game where you've got the game in your hands, the keeper makes a mistake. You know, things like that. This team, I think this team deserved more. And I think if it would have got what it deserved, I think you could make a really strong argument for that. Um, how did you feel when you heard he was going to be ending his time at the club? Sad, but I thought it was the right decision. Uh, I thought it was right that we sort of moved on from a certain number of players, not just Bobby. Bobby is not as being probably in and out of the team probably for 18 months. Almost feels like Jot has come in, Sadio Mane went centre-forward last season. Uh, Or the season before, sorry. So it it looked like the team had moved on from Bobby a little bit, but he was still there, still about the place. And I always felt he would see his contract out. I always felt with, with, with Sadio Mo. They would either sign or we'd sell them, yeah. basically. I think with Bobby, I think it was almost seen, he's Liverpool's player, he's a squad player, but still a very good squad player. He'll see out it was last year. No-one's going to pay massive money for him, so we'll keep him and he'll do a great job. And I think he's had a brilliant sort of swan song this season in terms of the goals that he's got, probably more goals than he's got in the last year or so beforehand. So, no, I think it was the right decision all around and it was just a brilliant send-off for him as well.
1: The Man United 7-0, something nice about that moment. The cop has found out that he's leaving, he comes on and he scores the seventh in a seven-goal win, the greatest win over Manchester United of all time.
2: Yeah, amazing. Uh, There's something about seven. Five and six feels, five feels, six feels a bit strange. You know, you think, someone got beat six. Seven's like, like a kid's score. It's like, it's not, so I thank him for that. That made that score. 6-0 would have been amazing. It was amazing. But 7-0 was just like, laugh, like laughable, isn't it? Just like, I mean, an embarrassment completely for uh, my mate and all uh, his little henchmen. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Bobby, for getting that 7. because That just that was just, oh, God, it was amazing. Um, how um, how will he be remembered at Liverpool? What do you think his legacy is going to be? His legacy will be he's a legend. He was part of one of the greatest teams Liverpool have ever put together. He was, he's possibly part of the greatest forward line Liverpool have ever seen, certainly in terms of quality and longevity. Uh, and part of the team that brought the title back. That team will never be forgotten. It feels like the first time Liverpool did something because it was that long. So whether it was like, you think of Ron Yates lifting the, the, the FA Cup in 65, you think of Liverpool lifting the European Cup in 77, When Liverpool won the league under Jürgen Klopp, it felt like a first, because it was a first for so many people. There's lots of people in that ground who've never seen Liverpool win the league before. So, to be the guy who brought the title back and and be a major part of that team, that's that's his legacy, and that's not bad, actually.
1: Um, Can you describe Bobby Firmino
2: in one word? Teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Is that allowed to go in? (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> Neil Jones also said that. Did he? Really? Yes. Who said that? Neil Jones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Class. Hey, thank you so much for checking out the Jamie Carragher interview. I hope you enjoyed it. There is an entire raft of very similar uh, interviews done from a whole range of Liverpool stars over on redmenplus.com as well as Bobby Firmino. Best in the World, our three-episode documentary series charting the rise of a Liverpool legend in Bobby. Uh, head over to RedmanPlus.com, sign up today. And if you use the code BREAK, B-R-E-A-K, you'll get half price of a yearly membership as well. But move quickly, that expires very soon.